AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrant's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrant's and visit Ibrant's.com. Ibrant's may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrant's may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Worldwide. Worldwide. From the streets to the yard, <laughs> to the boulevard, gangsta planet. When I write y'all, all across the USA, Compton, Watts, Bay to LA, from on to California, from valley to valley, we represent that killer Cali. So if you keeping it real on your side of your town, you tune in to Gangsta Chronicles. Gangsta Chronicles, we gon' tell you how it goes. Uh, if I lie, my nose will grow like Pinocchio. We gon' tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. Gangsta Chronicles, this is not your average show. You're now tuned into the real MCA Big James and Big Stills. Strictly from the streets. Hello. From hood to hood, our backyard to yours, we would like to welcome you to another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast with James McDonald, MC8, and myself, Norm Steele. You can listen to us on the iHeart app or for iPhone users. Go to the Apple Podcast app, subscribe, drop that five-star rating, and leave a comment. We had the privilege of having a pioneer in the building tonight. He stepped on the scene in 1983 and has been a fixture in the game since then. With 22 solo albums, 9 platinum and gold plaques under his belt, the respect of his peers north, south, east, and west, he is arguably the most successful rapper of all time. Yeah, bitch definitely made him rich. With a fan base that developed by slinging mixtapes to the pimps, players, and hustlers in the streets of cocaine-rich Oakland, California, known as the City of Dope, 
His career took flight when he linked up with Jerry Hodges, the younger brother of Oaktown baller Ted Hodges, owner of 75 Girls Records. So Jerry basically was like, yeah, you know, my brother owned a record label. And everybody knew who his brother was. His brother ride by your city nigga every day riding by his... It's 1985. This nigga zipped by in 1985 Benz. You know what I'm saying? Come back down the hill in a brand new Cadillac. Blast back up in a different color Cadillac. We like, okay, we know who that nigga is. You know, he got the he got the curl. Sometimes he like riding around with the, with the colored rollers in his hair. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or sometimes he just let it down and he just be wavy on you. Like, that, that's that nigga. But he was a lot of niggas that's big time. You could connect them to something. You like they that's they boys, that's where they mm. he wasn't a he wasn't a nigga like that. They, Dean was a nigga who came up selling uh he made all his little cousins roll joints for him. And he'd get a big ass bag of weed, like a pound of weed or some nigga like twelve years old, and make all his little cousins roll joints. And they was joints they, they sold joints all through the projects. He turned that into a motherfucking Empire of his, his his own shit, but the plug he would fuck with, they wasn't really like the mob. He just was a nigga who had clientele. Like, like his clientele was like his clientele. It wasn't like you come to him, you meet him where he say meet meet me. He wasn't like running no organization, wasn't no staff and that. And he was just a a baller. So, and he only sold like big shit. So Jerry take me up there to meet his brother. You know, he kind of. Shot, he shot us to the left a little bit for a minute, and then we doubled back again. Like it, we never would have got in if it wasn't for little bro. Like that's his little brother, same mama, same daddy. Mm-hmm. And Jerry get us up in there. I'm, that shit just that seventy five girls changed my whole entire fucking life. Like getting around Dean, getting around that hustle. He was a real fucking player, player, player. Like like real player. Fucking this, this kind of nigga that um. You find a stack of pictures. <laughs> it's like naked pictures of all the bitches that you wish you had <laughs> from all over the city. You're like, dang. That's out there. That's a bitch. You're like, so that's that nigga. So he basically, um, he really gave me that player game. He gave me the game on how to make a record. He didn't know how to make a beat. That motherfucker couldn't rap. That motherfucker could play an instrument. But he, he went and made everybody teach him the game. How to, where you go to make the record. Who you get to mix it? Where do you go to get the artwork done in the, in the fucking album cover? Where do you go to get the shit mastered? Who who manufactures it? Who you take it to to ship it out? The distributor? The fucking... And then who you can take it to directly? And then he go back like a paper round, just pick up all the money. And I we did that shit for two albums. And a nigga let me ride side by side. We used to, we used to pull that, come down to L.A. and, and bus moves. Uh, pull up on niggas like Ice T and shit. Like he was really, like Dean was a real fucking player. And in the end, it was a beautiful thing because I, I come through his little brother. His mama ended up being like my mama and shit. Fucking, it's a family thing. We never signed any contracts. So when he, it was like a hobby to him. When he was like, man, I'm through with y'all. We was in a, a cool position. He gave us the game and let us walk just free and we just did the same thing he did all over again that's how that's how they got in the game we just duplicated what he showed us we started dangerous music did the yeah. same fucking thing and probably taught taught you taught you some game like I mean, li- how og is supposed to do with the yeah. youngsters coming up exactly like literally we took like about 10 racks man and knocked that shit into about three hundred thousand over the summer fucking around with the, with the 
with the independent hustle. Yeah, so why did he just say, fuck it, he was done? Was he hot? Was um something going on with him? So Dean had did like a little, he did like a little year in jail in like 86. Mm-hmm. We started fucking around in 85. And 87 is when we shut it down. So he did like about a year. He came home from the year. And uh, I felt like, man, like, you know, you coming home, your, your hustle kind of get set back a little bit. And you, you thinking like ground level, I'm going to build this shit back up. He still had all the same plugs. I, I just feel like we was in the way, man. He was like about to get back on his grind and do his thing. And that music shit, we was real dependent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We was real like clingy and shit and, and needed shit. And we all up in the nigga house and. Nigga, that's a little brother and the homie, and we, we came with a lot. I, I looked back then, it was like, damn, bro, you gonna you gonna kick us out the game? <laughs> but mm-hmm. when we look back on that nigga, gave us the game. Right. So yeah, he figured he'd talk to y'all. Y'all need to know he was about to get back on this hustle. But yeah, he uh, he got mad at me and little bro. I think he faked the whole thing. I think he just faked it, just faked like he was mad at us. Mm-hmm. Like man, y'all niggas know what I'm fuck out my shit now. But we was free to go. Man, that's cool. And that was a crucial era back then, man. L.A. That's where L.A. and Oakland. Parallel that because both cities had major kingpins, man. What did you see as far as Oakland, man? What was the what impact the crack have on the community up there, like? Well, I'm I'm high school class of '84, so I'm right there. '84 is when somebody, you know, okay, look, go you go '82, '83. It's a whole lot of motherfuckers pulling up in their little bins or something, you know. You see like the older niggas and like. Yeah, man, them niggas, uh, they be, you know, freebasing and shit, man. It, you know, motherfucker would even say, yeah, you know, me and my bitch, we be smoking, man. You know, I, I, was, I, I go, I'm smoking coke. Motherfucker was talking about that shit like it was baller shit. Yeah, it was. So you sitting there going. Yeah, because back then it was. Yeah, it you know, was. That was, that, that was the, the rich man drug. The man, shit they doing now. So you looking at, cocaine, you looking at, you niggas saying freebasing. You looking at freebasing is like a fly thing in 1982-83. So one day in 84, somebody goes. Hey, on such and such block, you they selling this shit. You could they, you could just get a, a piece of that shit in free base for ten dollars. So that's how the shit was like marketed at first, and motherfuckers flocked to that shit. They ran. So high school class of '84, niggas is like, if you got a few thousand, you doing good. You doing good. You you cool. You you got a little car. You put some rims on your shit. You got a little beat in your shit. You keep you keep a fucking rubber band with a hundred mm-hmm. on top. Looking like you somebody and shit, and you, you know niggas respecting that your hustle. You keep a few thousand the shoebox under the bed, you good. Mm, so that's at the beginning. That's though. that's that's when that's, that's before the, the shit. Tip of it, yeah. <laughs> so sure. nigga, right? You got a cool little car. You spent like twenty five hundred on it. Put some wheels on it. You got to pay. You cool got an Earl shot paint job. Whatever the fuck. You cool. Mm. Niggas is like respecting your your young hustle. Right. And right after that, I, I remember just off one block, like 99th in Plymouth. So many niggas got rich off that one block. I'm not talking about niggas making a few hundred thousand. Them niggas got rich. Well, see, and, they, they was different than... And then it just... It, just everywhere there used to be a... They used to sell heroin. They used to motherfucking sell weed. It was whatever. All them shits turned out to be fucking cracks. I'm, I remember some niggas opened up shopping in apartments. When it started getting real, they had the two apartments... Where you could just, you know, come in the gate and it's just, it's, it's only one, you know, one way in, one way out. Shit, they love that. Man, them niggas got that shit popping. The, the other niggas showed up. <laughs> Knocked a few niggas down. That's when the shit started. It's just, it just, it was like, give me your shit. Y'all ain't even tough enough to have it. Just give me your, give me your apartments. Crack era, like, it, it just boosted everybody. So then, I'm cl- high, 
high that school. That was the money for for yeah. a cat that is hanging on the block. Man, for, come on. If I didn't go to school and said fuck school, nigga, I really, I'm selling dope. That was the way to get it. But that shit turned into like, like before that, it was like some old put them up shit, look, you know, let's, let's sling it out or whatever. After that, it was like little niggas, like I, this little nigga, you know, be a little nigga like, that nigga was a mark in high school and that nigga was like a boss after that crack because he got so much money mm-hmm. and had his little army and shit. Like, that nigga? Yeah, that nigga's a boss now. That nigga can get you hurt. <laughs> you know? That's, and it still, just, that's still going on today. Money <laughs> gives some niggas certain courage. You but it me. was a long run of a lot of different rules of before, you know, the fucking clips and the, the fullies and shit. It was a whole different run of, like, street life that wasn't for crack. Crack fucked Oakland the fuck up. Pour a little liquor. And roll something up. The Gangster Chronicles. <coughs> we'll be right back. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125-milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive, HER2-negative NBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Where are you at? This is OG Gangster Granny, and the Gangster Chronicles podcast is back in effect. Get ready for some of that G shit and blaze up some Warner Marrow. Like it, man. A lot of cities. Everything. Let me ask you this, um, and this is mostly for Aiden James, it's for you too, too. What's the difference? You think it hit each city different? Like, you think it hit Compton the same way, James? Different, but the. You, you got the same results. Uh-huh. It hit everything was everything is gonna be different because the way they got down in Oakland, the way you get down in Chicago is totally different. The way they rap they shit, the way they sell it. Um, like in Compton, you had thirty motherfuckers like on the block, uh-huh. but they was all homies. Everybody was like this at the uh-huh. beginning. 
Let's get a year in, eight months in it. Now everybody done fell apart, and now we fighting over that block and that block. So, and then you get the same thing in Oakland. Mm-hmm. You got the same fucking effect. Now there's over territory. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But the the cold part is, you know, some some got out of it because they couldn't deal with it. Like you said, the the mark in, in school. Now he got the money. Now he's a shot caller. You had a whole bunch of them in the neighborhood. You know, them was the good boys, and the good boys always made the motherfucking money. Man, but you can't be mad at that motherfucker because you got the gangbangers ain't trying to do that. They trying to gangbang. They ain't focused like the next nigga was. So it's it's all pretty much the same way y'all. Yeah, that was the conflict of interest in L.A. Was the uh, the nigga from the hood who got too rich? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you had your. You had your certain niggas, like you said. Certain niggas was hustlers like a motherfucker. Exactly. Certain neighborhoods. Every It seemed like every hood, you know, Compton or whatever, Watts, L.A., every hood had the couple of niggas who just had the sack that mm-hmm. was just real, you know. And then you just had the couple of niggas, like you said, James. It was a few of us that was ten niggas on the block yeah. trying to rush the same car. You <laughs> get me? So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's your grind. You had yeah, to speak go eat. Yeah, so it's, it 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 just had it had the same effect. Hustle's a hustle. Look, I, I had a homie who um who was doing he was he was real big, and he fell all the way to fuck off. Just bad luck, bad luck, bad luck. And that nigga was like, that nigga was like, went in the trenches with the motherfucking hoodie and the dressing all black and shit. He started using and his own shit. Fuck no, nah, this nigga went and bought it. Got a, somebody give him a kilo, nigga, and sold that shit. He sold a, a few kilos and all fucking rocks for till he could, till he got money again. Nigga just went he went back from being. He dropped his whole baller status and went to be a corner nigga again. But he did it in a baller way. Instead of, like, building his way up, he went and got somebody in front of him a whole thing, family member, whatever, and he just chipped away and just shit took pipe. Some, pipe. Of, our, some, of, our, some of our OGs are homies. You got to get back, that, man. That came, that mentality to stay low-key, you know. I've I seen a lots of dudes from my neighborhood and in Compton, whatever, who didn't play that, you know. You know them niggas was ballers and a motherfucker, but yeah. they kind of went low-key with the floss. You know what I'm saying? I was talking about A lot of niggas was day. just doing pocket change, too. Niggas was cool. Let me go stand up the block be, for two days a you day. You niggas cool. pulling up in motherfucking pintos and shit, <laughs> motherfucking uh, well, that's, uh, work that's, shirts on and shit like that. That's and, even like the the music business. Like, when, when y'all started rapping, you didn't see too many... <clears throat> Brothers in Compton, L.A., juried out. Mm-mm. And then when they started seeing it, everybody had to do it. Yeah, definitely. You know what Follow I'm saying? Follow the trend. And, and that's all it is. It's a fucking trend, and everybody say, fuck it. Like, you see that motherfucker roll with them, them rims on his shit? Oh, I got to go get that, but I'm going to do something different. With exactly. It. And that's how they was getting the biggest, fattest motherfuckers had the baddest bitches. The niggas would not do one thing that they should have did. And you can't, you know, hindsight, whatever, but, man, motherfuckers should have washed that money up. And nobody wanted to do it. I remember it being out there because it was so much money out there. Motherfucker, I remember hearing the talk, motherfuckers, like, you can give your money to so-and-so. Some clean-cut motherfucker yeah. who had the plan, and he was like, give me your money, and I'll give you half of your money back legitimately set up in, like, businesses and shit in the bank. And niggas like, nigga, I'm going to give you a million dollars. You're going to give me 500 Fuck you. 
Yeah, it was a few. A lot of, if a nigga would have did that, shit. if you would have did that, you could have beat us. Shit, we we go to the shoebox with the shit and say. But you could have played the lone version better. Day. Exactly, the okay. white boys do it. Well, we didn't. T- we wasn't taught a lot of that shit. You know, the white boy game with the with the going there. Me, well, uh, a lot of us was just taught to just stack the bread, stack the bread, stack the bread. Yeah, because it was straight in only one way. I exactly. Think, I think. Like Shore said, it was a man that came to him and offered him the opportunity to watch their shit. And I think sometimes, man, niggas just had they and they mind. That shit don't sound right, but rob, you know, sound the right point I was making, though, if collectively, if all these cities in America that got ate up by crack would have fucking invested the crack money back in the community, it might have been the way we see other uh, right. ethnic groups right. take dirty well, money and go legit. Well, back in Oakland because let's go back, like, 75 girls. I'm talking about buying up all the buildings on the main street. I'm talking about buying all the houses on your block. That type of shit. There was some people that did, and I ain't going to say the dude's name. One brother did do it. They still watched him. I mean, because, I mean, back then, you got to figure out shit. Everything was set up and designed for you to not succeed anyway as a black man, whatever your shit was. And you know how hard they came down on niggas who was serving and shit. Motherfucker, they give your ass a thousand years and shit. So real. It's about a brother still locked up. Yeah. But, you know, let, let's go to this. 75 girls era is over with. Mm-hmm. Now you bump up to another dude, Ted Bohannon. Yeah. That's that's the next level. So we come out of uh, the situation with Dean. Uh, it's me and his little brother. We, we bring on his first cousin, Randy. And we go looking around through West Oakland and East Oakland trying to find uh, one of these big ballers. Because uh, now we got the formula. We like, it ain't like when I pulled up on Dean. I didn't know shit and I'm learning shit. Now we know. How to flip this shit. All we need now is the money. So I'm pulling up on dudes that I've been selling tapes to for years. Motherfuckers know I put a real record out. They know, you know, it's next level. So I'm like, bro, this, this shit flip, it flipped real easy. But I'm, it's 1987. And the numbers I'm saying, when you tell a nigga, bro, I can show you how we can hit a quick 100,000, quick 200,000. That, that shit sound like peanuts to them. And it's like... They laughing at me and shit like, nigga, you know how much, how quick I make 200000 nigga? I'll go flip that shit in tomorrow. And I'm like, my nigga, but, <laughs> so I'm getting, I'm like, it's like I'm going from bank to bank and niggas mm-hmm. is like, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Like homies too, like motherfuckers who I consider homies is like, like, nah, uh, it's, it's That not. rap game was too new for him and shit. It's like that new product and so shit. Ted had a, uh, he had one of his uh, dudes in his crew was named uh, Ali. And he was like one of them loud motherfuckers, you know, just out talk you and out laugh you and out out shit talk you and just 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 one of them motherfuckers. And he he was like the hype man. And I, I wasn't there when it went down, but they said after I hollered at Ted, me and Ted was real cool through the through the tape hustle and shit and just you know selling custom made tapes and mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying he was he was supporting the Two Short Freddie B movement. And then um um. Ted was like, nah, I'm cool. And then we left. And he said, uh, Ollie went into his, uh, the whole yelling and screaming shit. He's like, nigga, fuck that man, it's too short or something. You know, if you knew him, you know, one of them loud motherfuckers that just be like, like, fuck that, you gotta do that shit. And talked him into it. So, you know, he came back. And I always say this, that, um, he agreed to spend like like a few G's, like just to get studio time and get you know get the shit going. And then at some point there, I don't know if the music or the hustle or what it was, he just, without saying, 
all right, well, man, I'm going to spend 10 or I'm going to spend 15 or whatever. He just started taking care of the movement. So mm-hmm. you got eight, ten niggas moving every day. We hustling and shit. But this nigga feeding all these niggas. This nigga's, he like, we ain't finna be riding around four deep in the car. So he pull out four cars, all four of his cars. You drive that one, you drive that one. Who got license? Drive that one. So we riding around in a caravan, and the niggas, like, really making it look right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, it wasn't just like, I'm a... <clears throat> Put you in the studio, and he was making a nigga look right. Like nigga, when I on the Born the Mac album cover, nigga like sit in his car, put all this jewelry on, nigga let's sell it. So that's what that was. And then we go to a show, we pulling up mob deep, fly ass cars. You know, niggas is seeing that shit going. Oh, that's short now. So we, we set us, we set the standard to a certain level, and we kept it there. And then. You know, it was it was just like that. The money started coming in. We got more fly ass cars, and we just we had that look. So, you know, I, I, I put that on Ted that he made the whole Born the Mac. We got the we got the deal with Jive off Born the Mac. He made that whole Born the Mac movement like look real fly. Yeah, cause so, that, that's and them, and them niggas, you know, at the time coming out of like 1985, 86, being around Dean Hodges and Dean's house. Dean was the kind of nigga who. He got a big ass bankroll in this sock. Mm-hmm. He got a bag of heroin in this sock. He got some cocaine powder in this sock. He got some cocaine rocks in this sock. He giving everybody that come in the house what they want. He giving all the bitches what they want. All the little it's like ball players, professional ball players coming up. He got the you know, he, he you mm-hmm. sit down, you get to hang out with Dean, the bitches is in the living room in the panty, or the bitch come walking up the hallway, mm-hmm. titties out, she just walk back to the back, you like, damn. You know, he's that nigga. But everything's there. Like as soon as you come in, the cocaine is on on the everything's free. It's a big ass box of weed under the, under the seat in the living room under the chair. It's just everything's just like just just get, grab some papers, roll you a joint, put some powder up in it, take your line, walk back to the back. It was it was that in the studio. The cocaine tray sat on the board at all times. He kept these old school musician niggas. They love that shit. This nigga over there whipping his in a little jar, hitting the fucking pipe in front of everybody. They this. Broad over here snorting eighty five fucking lines and, and, and you know what I'm saying. It was, but how you working around that? I'm nineteen years old, nigga. That shit was fun. I found myself in the movie. I was I was looking at the movie, writing about it. Now I'm exactly. in the motherfucker. Well, like you said, there was some baller shit back then. No, it wasn't. Look, see, we didn't know the effects of crack until the them fine bras that was walking down the street that you said used to be beautiful. They, and they turned into monsters. Until they turned into monsters. We didn't know the effects. It was just like some baller shit because the ballers back in my day, they smoked primos. Yeah, so we doing that. We crunching up the little rock and mm-hmm. the shit and, and playing around. So that, that's what I was getting to. So two years of, like, in that lifestyle, then I get with Ted Bohannon crew, and them niggas is, them niggas would go somewhere and... and cook up like a thing and then after they finish putting it here and there it's all this leftover shit dust everywhere and I'm, I'm like the shit that they would these niggas would wash down the sink is some shit that the other niggas would party on all night mm-hmm. and them niggas would be like they, they done they got the, the profit is bagged up they throw all this shit down the sink just like they weren't fucking with it that nigga they, they would smoke weed but they was like they wasn't getting too drunk they wasn't they wasn't getting. The they had a different mentality. You know, of, if, of the if, you, if you was a snorter or any of that shit, they'd be like, "Bro, don't even hang around us." They they didn't like that shit. Right. They they just they despised that whole little usage of cocaine. So around them, I seen I wasn't gonna be the oddball or be like the, the the goofball nigga and just and be like I'm the user in the crew. I'll just cut that shit out of my life. All the one on one and shit. And, 
Just let it go. Fuck it. I remember um, I started fucking with Ted and him in 87. And uh, I just kind of like just shook all that shit because that, that ain't how they rode. And then it was, it was um, one nigga in his crew. My nigga CNH was the only one who loud and clear in front of everybody. Nigga, what, blah, blah, blah. He's still, he still snorting and shit. And he, he, he loud with it and just everything. But he a boss. He got money so he can do that. And then uh, I went to his house to watch the Super Bowl in 1988. I will never forget this fucking day. A, a whole crew over there. We watched the Super Bowl. I, I, Chris at his house, he was being a little more loose with it. And he was a, a higher up in the crew. So he, he wasn't really like being judged by the rest of them. That was just his style. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to hit this shit. I took a one-on-one, nigga, and got to sweating. I ain't, I ain't touched the shit probably in like eight months or something. I got to sweating. I ain't tell nobody what I was going through. I went in the bathroom. Now nigga sweating buckets. I'm looking in the mirror like fuck, like, like nigga, what the fuck did I just do? Like now, <laughs> now nigga like sit, sitting on the on the toilet with the toilet seat closed, like like fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Then a nigga end up in this motherfucker like, you know that that prayer. You like God, let me get through this shit. I'm thinking I'm I'm, I'm thinking my heart going wrong, all kind of shit. I come out that bathroom. I you couldn't give me no cocaine for fucking. 20 years after that. I was like, fuck all that shit. I, that, was, that was my lesson learned. I was, I was cool. They just fucked you up. It probably was one of them hot doses, man. You know, Exactly. Probably some shit that was pure. I have no idea, but that, that, that was a, enough for me. Just getting around the <clears throat> conditioning of some players and ballers that, that, just, that look down on that, shit, that behavior. Got that lifestyle and shit. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then hitting it back again and going, oh, hell no. Like, fuck that. That's well, see, you talking about some... Um, not only legendary deep boys, but CNX wound up being the one that put out yuck in them. Yeah, exactly. They wound up putting out Drew Down the Lunas. Mm-hmm. So everybody had it, and I can see that now. You say he was a little bit more um, outspoken. Than, you oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Chris was loud and wild. He had the long ass hair and just mm, like exactly. to talk and make his hair wave exactly. and shit. And he was wild. Yeah, man. So <laughs> y'all out there on Smash pretty much now, man. Y'all got the thing going because I know it'll hit LA. VIP records they had to take mm-hmm. and everything because you know I talked to Calvin Anderson that's what he talked about he said man I remember shorting them used to come in here with a thousand tapes and we buy all thousand of them motherfuckers and he'd be up the road somewhere that's so right. y'all literally was just trunk to like like city to city you just you, you knew the people you could drop them off with come back and get it later you knew the people that would just buy them out right and then I knew the little one stops that would ship it out to the other stores of people I didn't know so mm-hmm. we just knew that man literally bro I ain't gonna fucking lie. I had nothing to go on on how to run this business except drug dealing. So basically, we looked at everything like it was a, a the, the the cop. You flip the shit, you make your profit, you save your re up money, you flip the shit. That's how I didn't even know how to think about the shit any other way. And literally, that's what we did. We we just was selling dope. I even called this shit dope music. It was dope. Yeah, because, yeah that was that was that was niggas' mentality because there was a lot of dudes who was out the trunk back then, even down here. Yeah. Like I say, the Todd and Spade and all them. We had a few dudes. No matter who how was much to go that route. No matter how much motherfucking money I made off music, and I was getting it. I was never the nigga in the crew. You know the the, the niggas with the money. I would never got up where they was at. Never. They just had too much of it. So man, so y'all rolling now, man. I want you to go back to that exact moment, man, when Jive Records calls you. I want to know how they did it. You know, how, how was you feeling, man? Like, what, what happened So, there? Jive wasn't really like, it wasn't like niggas was jumping for joy and like all happy because the label called. It's 1988. 
eight when I got the call from Jive. We've mm-hmm. been running this Born and Mac. Yeah, I'm boy. about to I'm about to put another album together. I was I was about to put the Life Is Too Short together and just keep doing what I do. And Jive called, and it wasn't it was never about the money they was offering. It was it wasn't even about a label deal. It was really like I'm like okay, these are the motherfuckers that put out Kumo D, Houdini. Uh, who else they had at the time? Because uh, that was enough right there for me, though. Because mm-hmm. Kumo D was top dog. Steady B. Right. Kumo D was top dog. And Houdini, he yeah, got a damn good Kumo run. Kumo D, Houdini, they had Steady Right when they signed me, they signed God. they signed Boogie Down Productions. Mm-hmm. They signed me. They signed Will Smith, Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. And they was, you know, they was just into it. They was, get, they was going there, you know? So I'm like, and I think it was a good choice. I yeah, mean, I've had a lot of the good artists back then. Jive was a, it was the right type of label for what I was doing because mm-hmm. they wasn't really, like Def Jam was like know it all, like I would have went over to Def Jam, signed up, and Russell and them would have probably been manipulating me to mm-hmm. pushing me in a certain direction and and convince me because they know more than me, like do this, do that, and they'd have made a nigga like like be some kind of superstar or some shit, and I was like nah nigga, I I'm the nigga that would do a show for twenty five thousand people and walk right the fuck off the stage. Into the crowd, not, not back to the backstage, mm-hmm. right to the motherfucking crowd, and start fucking with the people in the crowd, and don't give a fuck. Like literally mm-hmm. walk through the whole damn arena, and Def Jam wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me do that. They, Def Jam was like, "You gotta have, you gotta be a superstar. You gotta be, can't be, you know." Yeah, they probably would over over eight an Arjo project. They would try they, to change you up. They're like, "You want to be a pimp? We're gonna make you super pimp." <laughs> Some shit. Yeah. Man, but I was a thousand extras. Speaking of the pimp, unless depart from that, man, I got asked this, and I always want to ask you: mm-hmm. Was you ever really a fucking pimp? So, <laughs> the dream was, you know, your parents be like, "I need you to go do something productive in the world," mm-hmm. and then you rebelling with this hip hop shit. Nobody's believing that the shit gonna work. So my backup plan was always: I think I could break a hoe. I think I could do this shit. So, never had to do it out of necessity. But later in life, um, shit just started happening, man. Like, my homies who really pimp and I, that I've been hanging around my whole life, it's funny to them. And some of them even would get mad at me for not taking advantage because we'd be in the moment and some bitch would be starstruck on too short but then she's a real hoe and she be hinting like nigga what I, I would I would if you you know what I'm saying and then I just kind of like shake it off they like bruh you fucking up like you could be the biggest pimp out here and I'm like nigga if I'm the biggest pimp out here and I'm making two short records I'm going to jail nigga exactly. <laughs> like the shit is incriminating instantly mm-hmm. so I had a little thing that I would do man uh, it just like I just get my, my feet wet a little bit like I felt like if I had to tell a bitch to go hoe for me, then I'm doing too much. But if a hoe came to me and said, I fuck with you and just be giving me money, then I'm like, I fuck with you too. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew how to play the role. And I, I, I purposely, like all the bitches that, that got down with me for however long they got down, if if they think back on it, they'd be like, this motherfucker never did used to ask me for the money. Like you, As a pimp, you'd be like, bitch, what you got? I would just be like, you know, the the moment we see each other, you know what the you know what the transaction is, but I'm not 
I'm not gonna be like, oh, that's all you got, or I'm just, I'm taking it like. You taking it like, oh shit, bread. Cool, yeah. Kind of but then, you know, I lived in Vegas for ten years, man. It's this is it's different when when the a bitch is like a, a wildcat out there, like really on the prowl every day, every six day. seven days a week, and she just getting working. It. That's 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 a job for you. It sounds like she's doing all the work, but I promise you, I promise you. <laughs> Uh, if you got two bitches running routes every day, you can't really do much else with your life except tend to them two bitches because it's that much of a job just keeping them on track. Uh, I mean, luckily in some situations it's worth it because if you got, if each one of them browsers is making 15, 20 a month and they're giving it all to you and it's just you and them two bras. Forty G's is a nice, nice lifestyle, you know. Exactly. So, um, I just I I can't deal with like I, okay I go do, I go do a weekend of concerts. I'm getting you know ten racks for a club, fifteen twenty for these big radio shows, different shit, and I'm going out like every weekend doing something. And then here go the bitch. She running like five racks a week, but the bitch is like stressing me the fuck out. Like, like she got rights in my life, or what the fuck? I, like, bitch, call it phone in the morning. Go, what you doing? I'm just sitting there. Oh, you just sitting on your ass while I'm out here running from the police? Like, bitch, fuck you. Like, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like it, it gets to the she point. She really thought she was your hoe, but she really wanted that. No, they be thinking more than that. Though. They be thinking like I'm be out here on the motherfucker. They be thinking shit. other shit too. Like they were like, I'm a hoe for two years, and then this nigga gonna marry me. We have a family. They be thinking all kind of shit. Oh, yeah, like yeah. it be, it's always a, it's always <laughs> a, would happen like that. <laughs> There's always a goal at the end. You ain't even gonna get her the whole right if you don't give her a goal. There's gotta be a goal. Right, right. So, I just learned that man, that, that old fucking therapist shit, and that fucking four in the morning call with a, a drunk crazy bitch talking shit, ain't worth. It ain't worth the bitch coming in the door saying, "Look, I stole a Rolex and uh, hit a nigga safe for fifteen thousand. That shit make you feel good at the moment, but it ain't worth it in the long run. Stress when I'm sitting shit. out here fucking up, uh, I got me a good ass hustle, mm-hmm. and a bitch get mad and say, uh, "Oh, I bet Vice would like to know what you really do." Like, bitch, the bitch just pushing buttons, but at the same time, what if the bitch did go down to the motherfucking Vice and like make up some wild ass story? That's a goddamn chance every pimp take, though. So I, it was a chance I didn't want to take. So like <laughs> I said, <laughs> like I said, <laughs> like I said, I, I I've avoided that shit. Skillfully, I, uh, some niggas laughed it off, thought it was funny. Other niggas was like, "Nigga, you crazy for not indulging." But I think I made the right choice. It it, right. it, it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to do full time, so I couldn't do it part time. And at the end of the day, you got all these records to where you talking about you pimping, and the broad behind the device, they go say, "Oh, we got the mag of the motherfucking yeah, deal." Exactly. Man. You know how they do that. Hey, you know telling your own story on the yeah. motherfucking record right there. I was at the NBA All Star, and this. This hoe came up to me and she was just talking and shit, and which she was a hoe, I guess, and she was talking to her out of pocket, whatever. But the, the bitch was saying something to me about pimping and hoeing, and I just was, you know, it's a fly ass event or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, look, I don't, you know, I be making records and shit. I ain't really like out here pimping no hoes. And, and she said, what? She's like, nigga, I thought you was a cousin. She's like, check out some niggas that, baby, guess what? This nigga too short ain't no real pimp. So I'm with these gangster ass niggas, and this bitch get to like, like two, three sentences into some like disrespectful shit. Mm-hmm. 
And niggas was like, bruh, we're going to say this one time, man. Get that bitch, man. Just get her. She was she was hurt. Mm. She was hurt. Her feelings was hurt. Yeah, that, the that reality of, of, of what they depict as you as an artist and what they hear on the music, it confuses a lot of people. <laughs> but shit. everybody look at it like that. If I'm rapping about killing and beating them motherfuckers, this is what oh, the perception of you is. You got damn right. They feel you live that life. So ain't nothing wrong with, with pimping, part-time pimping, or, or just, you know, stagnating in the pimping game. You know, I'm here, I'm there, I got some bitches, and it is what it is. But I can't live like that. When Spice exactly. One went on his first tour, niggas was like, nigga, you, let me say how gangster you are, homie. <laughs> when DJ Quick went on his first tour, that nigga had to fight every crip in America. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's sometimes, like I said, sometimes the fans will test your motherfucking abilities and shit and when you, you put portray. Out there for it, don't yeah, you? yeah. I mean, you do in certain ways, but I could say when we went on tour, um, we really didn't get fucked with that much by a lot of cats. Some I mean, people know whether it was Crips or Bloods or niggas from a lot of different sections. First time NWA went to San Diego, it was like bloodthirst. It's like it's nothing but Bloods out here. I mean, shit. The first time we went to what shit. <laughs> first time I went to motherfucking is it Flagstaff or Phoenix or something like that? Not Phoenix, but something else. Motherfucker, it Tucson. Was, oh my god. Tucson. <laughs> They said, oh, my God. <laughs> when I'm talking about nigga came out the dressing room, and our asses come down there, we get on stage, curtain closed, we got all blue head to toe and shit. When I'm talking about they pulled that curtain back, and it was a motherfucking arena, and all we saw was red. I'm talking about girls with red rag belts on and bowrettes <laughs> and combs and everything. I was like, oh, my God. Y'all still had to go out there, though. Goddamn right. <laughs> Paid, got paid, everything. But they was loving y'all shit. They was cool as a motherfucker. But they still want the bag. Now, they shit. still want the bag. <laughs> oh, they gonna let you perform? <laughs> and I ain't just talking about blood. It's Crips too. Same situation. They gonna let you perform? But as soon as your motherfucking ass get through performing, <laughs> they leave some niggas at the back door ready. Because <laughs> they wanna know. Because you gotta remember this, dog. You got a nigga that's sitting at home all day, and he don't took his bitch to the show with him, right? She's sitting around all day turning about whoa. What the hell of a nigga you is. And so he go there. He about to try to show out in front of that bitch. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to show you this nigga ain't no nigga like me. He a rap nigga. I'm a real nigga. So, you know, it's a whole bunch of situations like that. You- AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians. Or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrantz, Palpocyclib. Ibrant's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrant's and visit Ibrant's.com. Ibrant's may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrant's may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. 
Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrands, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. So speaking of gangster shit short, we are called the Gangster Chronicles, man. Mm-hmm. So you're going through this period, man, with these guys. Things is going good, man. Y'all out there selling a lot of records, man. And then... And they selling a lot of dope at the same time, too. A, a lot of dope at the, being sold at the same time. So at some point, y'all have a separation. Yeah, we, we got a good... Uh, we got a good five-year run, like a... From we we ran from what eighty seven to about ninety three, mm-hmm. we had a good run in, and uh, it just you know Minister Society the movie mm-hmm. started the end of our little click that click with Ted Bohannon and it was it was I, I don't know if it was just time but it it, it, it always when you look back on these situations you go this shit was so small compared to what the big picture was to what but. I do Menace Society, and we got a company together. We run Dangerous Music. We had a company. Uh-huh. We partners in the company, and he got a he got a pretty good return on his money because the the initial investment, you know, bought him in as a partner, and we made a lot of fucking money as a company because we started signing other artists too, and it was, it was going real good, and we all did our part, you know. Even Ted, even though Ted was in the streets, he was truly all the way into the label, and we was we we made all. All decisions we we ran this shit, and I went to do Minister Society, and that, that, mind you, we fall out as a crew, different members of the crew. We fall out, we whatever, we we all we get it back. That's my my niggas. I fuck with now. We, we it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. And Chris came down to L.A. The CNH. Yeah, he came down. He uh he came and sniffed around the set. And just, you know, just pulled up on the motherfucking shit. And, you know, we all good and shit. And Chris, the Men's Society, they paid me like 60 racks or some shit. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And I remember um, I got the check and it was like 30 racks. They just took the, they automatically took the shit out. I got a, a $30,000 check to be in Men's Society. It wasn't really, it was the movie look. It wasn't. It well, was, who, took the, who took the money out? No, the, the check came to me. Okay, it's some shit I went and did. As I'm not making music, it was it was the, the, for being in the movie. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I'm not making music. It's not a part of our music thing and nothing. I just went and got a little side hustle and did did the shit. So Chris went back and said that they um he told Teddy he was like you know he did probably did the hype voice like man he gave me hundred thousand he ain't even got a little something something and then Ted hits me up and was like yeah man we heard you I got a hundred racks and you know shit I mean you ain't Doing the business right and blah blah. I'm like, bro, that's we did. We got a music company. Like, if I if I was to go off and be an actor or something, I'm not giving y'all a percentage of that shit. This is mm-hmm. not music. Mm-hmm. So, 
So, Chaz, my nigga, we, we, we love ones to this day. We had a long fallout, but we love ones to this day. And he said to me, at some point, he said, well, fuck it, man. Uh, just, just, just send me my check. Like, like he kind of like tapped out. Like I don't fuck with y'all no more. And kind of like tapped out. So like, just send me my money. So before we could get into that, you know, I'm, I got, you know, we got niggas got crews. We got n- different niggas you fuck with all around the city. Mm-hmm. So I, I got some little wild bunch of niggas I run with who I really hang out with. Because Ted and them, they was always on the safe side, laid back. They didn't really like clubbing a lot and all that. So I had my little wild bunch that I run around with. And I'm like, I'm consulting in my niggas. I'm like, man, the niggas said, you know, just give him his money. And then the niggas just kind of fall back and don't really participate. So we looking, we looking at this shit like, that's like pimping to me. Like, nigga, I'm, I'm going to kick back at home, go get my money and, and bring my money back, bitch. Oh, so, so when he say, let me elaborate. So when he said, give me my money. He his share of the company. Yeah, he, 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 he want to share. Okay, I'll tell you He was like, if you're going to keep your 100000 from the movie, mm-hmm. which I told him, nigga, I said, bro, they gave me 30 It's my money, whatever. So he said, if you're going to keep the money, then nigga, I ain't fucking with you, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, well, damn, bro. Man, niggas always fuck up some good shit. I'm like, man, I can't like, I can't work and pay you a percentage, and you not hustling with me. I just, I can't do that. So then the shit, it, it got, it was one little gangster moment, and at, now, the mind you, at the same time, my niggas that I'm running with, this shit gets, gets real complicated in like '93, '92, '93. My niggas who I'm running with are now if, in, involved in a murder, death, kill, all-out war with niggas that's affiliated with Ted. So, Ted and them, they tell me one day, they like, they like, if we see them and you with them, we ain't going to try to miss you. That we all hanging out, eating eating or something, chopping it up, smoking. We, we music niggas and the, and the niggas say, like, bro, oh, yeah. if, we, if we see you with if them, we, bro, we ain't going to try to miss. It ain't going to be no special treatment. So, it's just start getting real political for me. You're going to get popped, too. So, then, when that, that part happened, so, the part happened where he said, we well, just give my money, the shit just started falling apart. So, um, E-40 did this uh, yearly picnic out the way, out, to, out there where, where they from, Fairfield Vallejo. And we go to the E-40 picnic. And we just happen to, like, you know, we got we got mob deep, whatever, whenever, whenever, whatever. But on this day, we go out there, four niggas in one car and one pistol. Hmm. So, and the pistol was my pistol. So, I got the little strap on me, had like a little Glock on me, and then uh, we pull up in the park. We weren't even tripping on like, you just always have a strap. We weren't tripping on that. Oh man, we gotta have a strap. So it wasn't even that thought. But then we pull up on uh, Ted and them at the picnic. It's a, it's a big ass park. It's thousands of motherfuckers out here. Like it's packed. And we pull up on Ted and them. And they worked this little like, like this little maneuver, like a uh, kind of spread out a little bit. And these niggas like money niggas and shit. Like you got the little street niggas and shit. But it's like niggas in, in like money mode. We going to the E forty picnic. We ain't really like coming to this motherfucker for a fight or nothing. All that shit. And uh, they start. It, it kind of like. The approach and shit, he come over me and he telling me the whole shit, like kind of like, kind of kind of check me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was with one of the homies. Uh, he was like, uh, before we walked up on him, he was like, "Give me that strap." So he, he plop plop, and 
Ted to talk a little bit, and he say, man, we ain't really trying to hear all this shit right now, man. When nigga ain't finna give you nothing, and ain't finna be like that, whatever the fuck. And nigga say, because they was like, them niggas was like, like up, they got angles on us, all kind of shit. And nigga say, you can tell these niggas to do anything you want to. He said, all he put, he showed him the strap. He say, he say, all I know is I go fuck what they do. I'm killing you out here. And all them niggas stood down. They just they, we went and enjoyed the picnic. Ain't nobody had no problem with nobody. I think uh, later on, um, at the end of the picnic, they tried to catch one of my rapper homies, uh, Goldie, and and. Sent him through some drama or some shit. Chased him up out of there or something. Kind of walking to his car chasing him. That's all that happened. And fucking, um, from there on, you know, I, I basically, uh, Ted kind of calmed down a little bit. We we talked after a while and was like, you know, bro, let's just, uh, it's already in the in the contract. We got together as partners. We just dissolved the company. And you take your cut and, and keep it pushing. So, uh, I had two partners back then, Randy, that which was Dean's cousin, mm-hmm. and Ted. Jerry had fall, he fell off way back, way down the line. He we lost Jerry, the little brother. Mm-hmm. We lost him. He, he didn't have, he didn't have a house. He mad at me right now. Love me like a brother, but stay mad at me. But the politics, bro. So then I literally just it was probably when I moved to Atlanta. I I, I broke Ted off something. You know this this the company. I broke Randy off something, the company, and I just changed the whole shit, and I ain't looked back since. So it was, uh, you know, it was supposed to happen. Though it, 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 we could have like Chris, the whole shit, the politics. Mm-hmm. It, it could have been without that shit, man. But you know. So pretty much just the average nigga tell a nigga running back talking about some shit he don't know, telling somebody something don't kick up a whole bunch of dust. Man, I made way more money. That's pretty much. I made way more money after that than I did before before all that shit. If the best was yet to come, they had no idea I was gonna go on a run and they jump shit. So it's cool. Shit, it normally happens like that. The karma's a motherfucker. I mean, you know, a nigga could have fell off after that, or it could have been, you know, whatever. But James, how often do we have them conversations, man? Because it all Every goes day. back, and this is old stuff, but it all goes back to CNAs coming down, pretty much almost like with intent of just kicking up, starting some shit. But that kind of was his personality. We just wasn't supposed to. It wasn't supposed to get that serious, you know. If I got on the phone and say, "Bro, I really got thirty racks," explaining to him that's mine, he could have been like. We was getting money from different shit. Like it could have been like. But cool. the thing is, this bro, we got a podcast together, right? If James go out there tomorrow and they say, man, we want to book you to play this part in the thing, and he go get a million dollars, me and eight can't come at him like, James, man, what's up? We need to cut of that. You know, that, that don't make no sense. Mm-hmm. That, what I tell you when you said that. <laughs> hmm? If 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 they take me and they don't take all three, they ain't, I ain't oh, fucking no, I'm not talking about no pocket. I'm saying a movie, bro. This is <laughs> a movie. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit still. <laughs> Get out of that, but it's you know the cold part. Problem. The cold part about it is, you you have what we call clicks. The homies kicking it, but then at the end of the day, before we get rich, somebody fall off the motherfucker. Because now we thinking, damn, I see this nigga count his money. I went to the bathroom. I know he puts him in his pocket. Mm-hmm. That's how we think. Right. Now we thinking all fucked up. Now our like, I wonder if he got I wonder if he got more than I got. Exactly. I wonder if he got more than I what I got. I watched that shit with 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 Suge and his company with all these different motherfuckers that was in it, how people was mad and how much money they was making and what they wasn't getting. And it fucks everything up. We can't work together. 
That's why I tell him, Gangster Chronicles is going to work together. Oh, Brian come to this motherfucker, nah, y'all ain't got to pay me, I'm just fucking with y'all. Bullshit, we all finna get a check, we all going to eat. Exactly. And we don't have to, but the ones that didn't want to be there, work their way out the situation. Definitely. And, and, and it's just like, it's a cycle, selling dope. So when I look back on all this shit though, I, I go on like runs. Like it's just a run. We get a run. I get a run in with a group of people, mm. and we get a bag, and we on that run, and it's gonna come to an end. And some of us gonna stay friends for life, and some of us gonna forget each other, and we gonna never right. see each other again. And just we gotta run. I could have been. It's been so long now, man. I could have been best friends with a motherfucker for three years, and from ninety. 89 to 92. We best friends. I don't even remember that motherfucker right now. Mm. <laughs> it's, been that, it's been that many places and faces and yeah. set up shops and, you well, know real, what I'm saying? Real motherfuckers gonna come and go like that. I mean, when they fake and shit, they, they, they gonna come and go. Real motherfuckers should be around if y'all got the same agenda right. and y'all trying to reach the same motherfucking destination. But fake motherfuckers, they just wanna get in at that point in time Jump on the motherfucking train and then jump off when it's another be- when it's a better situation. Let me ask you a, six, a question, short. I ain't trying to be messy. We ain't one of them type of shows. But that situation wouldn't have nothing to do with the reason why CNH got that ass with me, would it? Uh, see, <laughs> it's all related, but it's all related. But what happened after after that? So I moved to Atlanta basically because. Niggas that I knew and loved was killing the fuck out of each other. And it wasn't coming to an end. It was like really this small ass city. Like just it's like probably like if a war was going on in Compton that had nothing to do with LA. And it's like a Compton thing. It's like a straight East Oakland thing and it's a fucking war. And the city's so small you can't even really like get gas. You can't you can't use a phone booth. You can't motherfucking stop by your auntie house because never everybody know everything. Know where the fuck you be. So niggas is getting it. Like a nigga who you know, you know this nigga stay on the defense. But somebody walked up to his car and shot him. Who fucking walked up to your car and shot you? Somebody you fucking know. Mm-hmm. Who, you stay on the defense. A nigga just walk up and shoot you in the car. That's somebody you fucking knew. That, it started being like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just felt like, I'm like, man, the way this is going. I'm like, because niggas is like. Niggas is in, in homicide fucking serial killer mode. This niggas out there that's like, I'm trying to get away with a lot of murders right now. I'm trying to kill everybody I don't like. And they a bunch of them niggas is roaming the streets. And I'm like, damn, somebody I know is probably going to kill me. And it's just going to be like, I, for whatever reason, I'm fuck you up because you hang out with them niggas or something. Yeah, so I was like, shit. man, I, I sized Atlanta up. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm fucking about to go kick it. Where they having a party? They, uh, it's 93. They having a freak Nick, Jack the Rapper. Yeah, like, nigga, I'm, women down there. The police in Oakland is like wearing me the fuck out. I ain't got no license. These niggas stop me every time they see me. They handcuffing me, searching me, arresting me, releasing me, just fucking with me. And fucking, uh, I go to Atlanta. The police is like, hey, what's up, Too Short? <laughs> I'm like, nigga, fuck this killing ass, harassing ass. Shit, I'm yeah, about to go enjoy it. Black City too. It's like when you go down there, man, it kind of make you feel good because you go down there, you go to a restaurant, you see a black woman in the kitchen actually making your soul food. Not against yeah. my people, I love everybody, but it's just you know you go down to a soul food spot. It was a, it was a different look to see that in yeah. the '90s. It was just a different, just to see mm, just everything just 
black and, and the police and department and everybody just just it was black love. So I get down to Atlanta. It's ninety four. The, the beginning of, I moved to my house like right at Christmas ninety three. So it's ninety four. I'm in Atlanta and the loonies who pretty much all the shit that was going down musically either was a was inspired by us or you know somehow you got the game that I the game that I got from Dean I gave the game to the whole fucking city I gave everybody the game on how you fucking this is what you do you got to get your shit mastered you got to go get a main face you got to take it over here to sell it I told everybody the game if you can get you a rapper if you can find a, a deep way with some money I'll show y'all how to do it uh, Chris did the fucking formula they all did the fucking formula a whole bunch of niggas and Chris had brought the loonies around a while ago. Drew Down, his first album was made in my studio by Aunt Banks. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I never got a dime off Drew Down's album. I never got a dime from Aunt Banks for that. I never got a dime for studio time. That was the homie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how, it was Chris Artist. Use the studio. Go ahead, man. Yeah, Banks, just pay Banks and look it up. So the loonies come out with this fucking song called Player Hater. And the song says... It's some old sh- some shit about some hater ass motherfucker and be like and the song said that's why the town got rid of short and I'm like these the little homies I'm like y- y'all niggas can't say that mm-hmm. and the radio station played it a lot they put it in rotation so I had a song I dropped called Cocktails mm-hmm. and Cocktails was getting a lot of love the video was dope it was getting love everywhere all the cities that was loving me Detroit, Chicago I was banging the cocktails. Bay wouldn't play it the Bay radio station wouldn't play cocktails and I, and I cornered them I'm like you know so what's the reason why you won't spend it they're like well you know we, we're more into supporting the local artists which was some bullshit they was I don't know why they turned on me but it was like we're more into supporting the local artists and you moved to Atlanta so it's kind of like you out of sight you out of mind and you know it, it's nothing personal but we just we just Promoting the local scene, so that was that was the beginning of '95. So the summer jam '95, uh, I'm mad now because they didn't they didn't support my record. The radio station used to call us when they needed some a good look in the community. They call us. They called niggas like me and be like, "Can you be a part of this event?" So this, the this, the community can know we down. It's a radio station, KML 106, but they used to be a rock station in the '80s. So when they started doing hip hop and shit, people was like still on the other station, KSOL. And they had to kind of like do some things to win them over. So mm-hmm. people like me showing up to their events helped them start getting listeners. Helped them just get a, you know, certified in the hood. So I was mad that they played the song. Then I was mad that they didn't play my song. So I pull up to the summer jam and fucking um I just pull up there, you know, and no credentials, nothing. And they like, I performed at the previous two summer jams. So they like, well, give me some passes. They gave me four passes. They, they fucked around and gave me them stick-on passes. Mm. Nigga, every time we walked in there, four niggas, every time we walked in there, one of the homies went out with the, with the four passes and came back in with three new niggas. We did that shit till we got like 50 niggas up in there. Mm-hmm. By, the time, by the time they realized what we had done, now they want to start negotiating and asking us if we, we all cool, y'all. Like nigga, we ain't leaving back out. Like you know, what? what what's up? Ain't nobody. I'm, 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 I'm calming them down. We ain't here to do nothing, man. All you gotta do is you got the whole Bay Area out there. You got to walk me and the loonies out there and tell the motherfucking Bay that ain't no motherfucking beef. Cause they, they turn this shit into like, 
like the loonies was so young and gangster that they literally pulled up on me and was like, nigga, you gotta move out of Oakland, nigga. Like that that's what the that's what the word went. And I was like, I ain't gonna fight whatever your rumor is. I'm just just stand up and tell the bay that a number love between the loonies and me because immediately after the shit came out they was like man we was just mad and it wasn't even like that because you we thought you was going to sign us or or the day when we was they was over there rap, battle rapping one of my little rappers one day and we all hyped it like like the loonies lost and, the, and rapping around and one mm-hmm. it was feelings hurt it was like a lot of shit so that's the story chris was saying the day at the summer jam he was trying to explain it to us the story about about how they looked up to me and I hurt their feelings and they made the song because it was, you know, they was mad. But then one of my homies was in the room that we chopping up, chopping it up with, and a lot of niggas don't know the, the backstory, but the homie and Chris was fucking the same broad at some point in time. Mm. And the broad told, the broad told the other homie, not Chris, she told the other homie that Chris said, you know, I don't even know why you fuck, fuck with them broke-ass niggas or fuck, why you fucking that broke-ass nigga. You know, like like he got more money than the nigga. Mm-hmm. Pillow talking, which is always get you in some shit. Mm-hmm. When you're sitting there telling the bitch while you're laying sideways something bad about the next nigga, somehow the shit always get back to the nigga. Yeah, so, so the homie was like, Chris was just talking a story. We kind of like, we, we was trying to work out the thing where we could walk on stage and shit. And the homie just sitting there twitching and shit, looking at Chris tell this fucking story about the loonies. Uh, being feelings hurt and shit, and then he just yelled out, "Ain't hey, about all that fucking shit, Chris," and just two pieced him and shit and kicked him. And they turned the story in that we jumped him or some shit, but really it was all emotional. The nigga was all he was only mad about the bitch and what the bitch said. He had been mad about that shit, and <clears throat> I like the other version of the story because they go out a lot and make it seem so gangster. Like we rode up to the concert, fifty deep, <laughs> dragged the nigga. Beat him down and shit did not happen. It didn't happen. Does it make it sound like in the streets that y'all just went up there mob and knocked out? Uh, the, the radio station tried to um to do a slander campaign on me after after the concert, mm-hmm. and they tried to say they put the story out there. We did all that shit like we came up there like 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 started a riot, and they shut the show down mm-hmm. early. It was supposed to be like two more groups that went on. E forty didn't didn't get to go on that night. They tried to start some shit between me and E forty. All this shit. All this shit came from the whole... It's all like a domino effect. Like, literally, the reason why me and E-40 make a million songs right now to this day is because of that concert and that incident and the fact that the radio station tried to turn us against each other and we've been homies for so motherfucking long. E-40 and his brother and uh, my nigga P and all them niggas from Oakland, the Vallejo niggas, the Oakland niggas used to all sell dope together and have been family and friends long before... The radio station tried to turn me and E40 against each other. It's like a radio station tried to try to get into like like the whole other side of like get involved in some street shit and like and cancel me out or some shit. They thought they was gonna turn 40 on me, and then 40 and his crew they big in size or something. They just gonna smash me. I don't know what the fuck they thought. I don't know. And then they thought that they was gonna tell people because they the radio station to stop supporting Too Short. But I'm like. I'm like, nigga, even though y'all ain't playing my record, the whole damn Bay Area bought the fucking record and everybody's loving the fucking album. Like, you can't you can't take a street artist. Like, like 92.3 to beat couldn't take a street artist and say, L.A., don't listen to this artist no more. Like, we don't listen to this nigga because he on the radio. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I was like, yo, I made songs about that shit. 
on my next album. It's called uh, "That's Why the Town Got Rid of Short." That's the name of the song, mm. and it tell you the whole fucking story. And I, in I, the story, I told the fucking truth. And literally, I put the album out. That was um, was that the fucking getting it album? I put the fucking song I out. Song. Everybody shut up. Uh, nobody started talking. Nobody talked about it no more. It could nobody dispute what I said in the story. I, fuck, I, t- I put everybody's fucking name in there. I told the whole goddamn story about the 30,000, the movie. It's all in the fucking song. And to this day, nobody can dispute what the fuck happened. Like, it, there is no other version of the story. Hey, let me ask you this, man. And we're going to wrap it up in a minute. But we sitting there with too short. This is a lot of shit I got to ask this dude. Yeah, you, you do your research. A lot still. of shit you go, back, you go back to shit I don't even know. You know, because <laughs> this is the Gangster Chronicles, man. So we got to talk about some stuff. What's going on now in the streets, man? Mm-hmm. What do you feel about the political climate now, man? What's going on with Black America, man? Just in general. All right. Well, well, you. He, I mean, not to interrupt, but he kind of spoke on it a little bit earlier when he said, "Shit, the police was always oh, yeah. pulling the nigga over and all that." So you know, just trying to uh, kind of elaborate on that shit of how like really f- ain't nothing changed. Like, well, the, you know, the the thing that we're dealing with now is. <clears throat> You gotta realize right now that from the intro of crack, when you found out how Freeway Freeway Rick was all in that circle of the shit with the fucking war they was funding and the CIA was mm-hmm. was letting the dope land in L.A. Uh, you think about that shit, and um, you think about the day Ronald Reagan said. I declare a war on drugs, and they came with the just say no, and it was like this whole scare tactic campaign about the you know the scary criminals in the inner cities and mm-hmm. shit. So then, then we got the crack. Now I know in nineteen uh, whatever the fuck eighty whatever when they fucking start freebasing cocaine, what no motherfucking nigga went and spent a hundred dollars on some powder and said, "Shit, I'm gonna pour this shit into a bottle of water." And let's set it on fire and make it turn into a rock. That, that shit is some chemistry shit. Right. That shit is some science shit. And when the crack was economically broken down to be affordable in the ghetto, and the shit was given to people like Freeway Rick, just you know, like just here, you free to slips. Man, all that shit was one big fucking setup, bro. The shit was a setup to where, you know, you know, the gangs. I don't even know what route the gangs would have went in if it wasn't for crack. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have turned into crack gangs. Gangs would have been, they probably would have, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? They wouldn't have been what it, what it is. You and then still I, had breaking in houses. So then all of a sudden, we like 84, 85, this crack thing is jumping off. And a couple of years into that shit now, if you got a rock and a fucking gun, they finna put you away for hell alone. You know what I'm saying? And then, then they, you know the whole shit with the powder and shit. And they... The, you know, the white boys is just on all the powder and shit, and they, like, ain't really stressing them out at all. But you can get caught with a gun and some powder, and you don't get fucking 80,000 years in jail. But if you got a fucking rock and a gun, your ass is out. And yeah, It was crazy like that. You and and then not only, so, so not only was a uh, setting all this, these situations up for you to get fucked off, they was purposely pressing the line in the hood. So only mostly, like, on our side, Mexicans and niggas got it. You know what I'm saying? On the other side, Puerto Ricans and niggas got. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't. They wasn't pressing the line to bust people in the suburbs. They was only fuck, fucking with the hood. But a city like Oakland, 
was signed up for the program on the war on crime. So if you if you bust so many people and convict so many people, we'll send you more weapons. We'll send you more budget. We'll send you more cars. Like, you know what I'm saying? So they had incentive policing to get the numbers up because they want the good numbers for the war on crime. So now they're setting up all these fucking laws. We in a fucking trap fighting over the hood. We ain't buying the hood, but we killing each other over the block. And niggas is just like, just we ushered in a whole new era of slavery. Modern day slavery, the mass incarceration, they locked us the fuck up. They locked all our homies up, nigga. If your homie got a cold case, he wasn't too much different than the homie that got murdered. you like, damn, I ain't finna see the homie no more. Gone. And... In 1980, the stats are something like, when Ronald Reagan said war on crime, it was probably like 500,000 people in American jails, prisons. Now it's like over 2 million. And all the motherfuckers came from the hood, a whole bunch of blacks and Hispanics. And basically, they just like, they just, they just uh, out-tricked us, bro. We run around here talking uh, thug life and shit, and we could have been... We could have been like the Italian mafia trying our damnedest to be drug dealers and pretend not to be cleaning that shit up and walking around. You know what I'm saying? We just, we, we rolled it out and fucking, I, I want the young homies to know right now that if you call in the, the, the spot where you sell dope, the trap, nigga, just listen to the word. It's a fucking trap. Like I seen too many niggas, too many motherfuckers die or get all their youth taken away. For that trap. Mm. And you sitting there going, nigga, I'm in the trap. You bragging about the trap. Like, we, some of us got out. Exactly. We didn't get the motherfucking 20-year sentence. If you ask me, it was all just uh, design. You it's a setup. That's all I'm saying right now. It's a setup. And we the motherfuckers, if you from the 80s, you the motherfucking generation that got set the fuck up, the guinea pigs, the first one. But how long is you going to keep falling for the fact that... Uh, you know, the shit that's going to get you all that time in jail, you know? Right. Yeah, let me ask you this, because I always talk with the big, big homie James, talk about voting. James has a certain feeling about voting. He feel like it's a waste of fucking time. Mm-hmm. I feel that shit too, though. Yeah, yeah. Let's I mean, because what does it do? I mean, if you really look at it. Vote or not, I campaign for the cause, and I support certain shit when I'm like, if I'm like, not feeling a certain thing, a certain candidate, I'll support the other motherfucker. And by doing benefit performances or mm-hmm. or a fucking PSA or something. Shit. I ain't none of that shit. What do you feel about this presidential election? I feel like, you know, you can even you can even include Obama's two, two, two terms. I'm feeling like, man, my whole life, I ain't, I ain't seen nothing from the presidents except... The same exact thing, whether it's Democrat or Republican, it's not. It ain't nobody coming through with these campaign promises and making shit fucking happen. So motherfuckers need to stop tripping off of who the fucking president is and start worrying about who the motherfuckers creating the laws that fuck with a lot of us. That's what the yeah, problem is. The Senate's important as a motherfucker. The Senate's wow, really and important. local politics, all that local shit. Local politics, exactly. Like the all local politics and the Senate, really the shit that impact us. What you think, James? You being quiet, and I know you got some I, shit I, in your mind. I'm being quiet because I'm, I'm listening to y'all. But I mean, like I said, everything was a design. It goes way, way before the '80s mm-hmm. with us. We put ourselves in a situation because 
the police couldn't infiltrate unless they had one of us mm-hmm. in there to do it. And and we got a lot of brothers that sold brothers out back in those days mm-hmm. for the short for the little money that they did give. And then they create a program. They create programs to keep you where you at, stagnate you. Just like with us. Like when you say ain't no father in the house. It shouldn't have really mattered if you had a daddy in the house or whatever. With all the shit that was going on, we, we sat back and watched half of the shit crack off. Go go the way it went. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And now we fighting and killing each other over the same shit these motherfuckers put here. You know what I'm saying? Like you say, the trap. That's all that shit was. We sit and we sitting in there getting drunk, ain't paying attention, and and passing shit through the windows, through the doors, the whole nine. We ain't giving a fuck. But this is what they showed us where we was at, and we we fucked with that. That's what we roll with, and we still doing it right now today. So I mean. Yeah, man, you uh, you catch a cold case. You you in your young twenties, late teens, and you done. catch a cold case. You come home at 38, 40 years old, and basically you spent all them years working in there for fucking free. Yeah, working for free. Free labor, right? It's free labor. How many people you lose to that, James? 35 cents. What? How many people you lose to them, them coat cases, man, when they was catching motherfuckers? Oh, man, it's so many. What, so 50 pieces of crack. It's so many brothers in prison. That's because we don't know the law. And when they get in there and get to spitting the law to you, you thinking – they finna help you, but then at the end of the day, they stretch your ass. We so what I'm saying is, off. I don't know how to tell the young homies how to preach and be like, bro, go straight, whatever. I wasn't listening to nobody when I was young. I'm just like, get your motherfucking money. But it's a lot of shit out here. Like, it's going to benefit you more without the fucking penitentiary chances. That's all I'm saying. And do what the fuck you got to do, whatever. But stay the fuck out that prison, bro. And I'm... And, I just in the long. I, I say this to say. Think back to when you was a youngster and the niggas who rode the hardest, the niggas who rode the hardest, and the niggas who, them little nerd niggas that would never join the fucking gang, them niggas who would never come around the block, them niggas. You you, you come home at thirty eight years old and that little nigga got a fine ass wife, beautiful family, nigga got nice ass cars and shit. You like, you like that punk ass nigga. Like, you like that nigga been balling. Yeah, you did the right thing. And we ain't too far from, you know, from... Because niggas got that that rich dream right now. They they see this rap shit, this hip-hop shit, this ballplayer shit, and they got that that millionaire dream. But you ain't going to achieve that unless you apply yourself to something. You got to put your 10,000 hours in. You you got to get some some work in. You got to become an expert at something and... And be good at that shit. Well, we say you just got to pay your dues and put in your work. And then shit, shit, eventually if you get the right, you know, the right foundation behind you and the right couple of group of niggas that can steer you on the right path. Like I said, OGs used to be set up to try to steer niggas on the right path or let niggas stay out yeah, of trouble. You know, whatever, yeah, keep, so. you, keep, keep him out the games, keep we, him in sports, you know. That's what we need, you know. So, but other than that, man, you just... Uh, nothing else matters, man. You know what right. I'm saying? Shit been flipping the same way for for generations. You know what I'm saying? I can say back to when I started running around, shit ain't changed. Like James say, you can vote for whatever, take your choice, Democrat, Republican, but at the end of the day, start start peeping out what's going on in your own section, in your neighborhood, your city. Mm-hmm. Start peeping out the local government. Start peeping out what's happening in the Senate and the people who make the laws because that's, that's what counts. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think what I'm trying to say though is uh, 
it's almost gangster. It's almost real gangster not to be gangster. <laughs> in the long run. Mm. In the long run. You know what, man? It is. And you know, when I hear James talk about that, man, when he talking to these brothers that's out here in the streets, man. That's what he tells him. He says, man, it, it, it ain't no benefits to it. Ain't no pension in it. It's just you better off just doing the right thing. And at this point, nobody can remember. Like, you really go around and just ask motherfuckers, like, like nigga, who your en- who's your enemy? And be like, why? And they're going to tell you, like, oh, they killed my home. Not before that. Like, why, was y'all, why is y'all hood's enemies? Niggas don't even know mm-hmm. why half the war started. Mm-hmm. They don't even know. They don't even concern. They just like nigga. We lost that. Like that Chicago shit. They like nigga. We we can't even negotiate. They keeping a tally on bodies. They like we can't even negotiate the truce until we like got the same amount of bodies. And it's just <laughs> out there knocking each other down, man. It, it's like man. They're like we, we y'all got it, y'all up on us sixteen to fourteen, nigga. So give me two two bodies and we can talk about the truce then. Well, you know the thing <laughs> is, man. One of the things we always talk about, man. You know, you Black Lives Matter, man. If a police officer do something to somebody, we go to these cities, we march. But why not if we do it to each other. Why not we? Why are we that we should have that same energy, man? When one of somebody ride through the hood and knock down little Tommy. Somebody go out there and knock down little Lisa. You feel what I'm saying? We need to have unjustifiably. We are used to killing each other. That's just like, like I know you. I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna argue with you before I go argue with these motherfuckers. I don't know. We used to. We. This is what we we learned growing up. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's a big difference. We rather fight in house than go out and fight these white boys that's talking about killing us. And they on they on mother every platform talking about y'all wait we coming it's gonna be a war if Trump lose we gonna we oh, coming man. at you I'm real interested to see what happens this, this, this election man because I don't think old boy gonna lead the office I don't think there's enough militia out there to, to beat up the ghetto that's oh, gonna we whoop that ass man yeah man, I, y'all to be surprised man y'all to be surprised what these motherfuckers got if a motherfucker don't underestimate these motherfuckers <laughs> I'm exactly. They 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 got some shit. Yeah, motherfucker, holler out to all the inner city. Everybody in the inner city, stand by, stand down and stand by. What the fuck, man. But you see what he doing? The the uh, what's the uh, councilman chick that the, the white boys was kidnapping? Yeah, man, they 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 talking about kidnapping and killing motherfuckers mm-hmm. because if you ain't if you ain't on board with Trump, man, you in trouble. But I don't even follow politics. Yeah, we'll see it. what happens, man. We'll see. 20, yeah. 2021. I, I could have never uh, in a million years could have predicted 2020. So, shit. This, right. this, yeah, this, this shit is crazy, man. It's almost like the apocalypse of sun. Motherfucking 99 years old. So, I ain't never seen no shit like this. <laughs> man, look <laughs> short, man. You know what, man? I appreciate you, man, having us over, man, to your beautiful compound, man. Oh, good. Giving us a right. dope interview, man. Um Man, you guys, man, we thank y'all for coming in, man, tuning in to another episode of Gangster Chronicles, man. Make sure you subscribe, man. Go download the iHeart app, man. Visit our website, www.thegangsterchroniclespodcast.com, man. Hit MC8 up here online. Hit Big James up here online. He'll holler back. I'm online. Most of all, we'll hit the homie too short, man. Bam. And short, man. You know what, man? Can you give him one before we go, man? <laughs> Just one. I just want to hear it one time. <laughs> well, I got to say, bitch. That's it right there. Man. I appreciate you, man. We out of here. One.
Still say I got the head, man, like a like a The Gangster Chronicles is brought to you by the Black Effect Podcast Network. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.